This week's parsha is Parshas Vayigash. At the beginning of the parsha, Yehuda approaches Yosef, and he pleads with Yosef, "Don't be upset with me. Al yichar Do not be angry with your servant." And the Ramban explains that the reason why he would possibly be upset and why uh, where he was going with this line of, uh, of, of pleading with, with, with Yosef was that later, if you took him down the road, he's going to say, Ki I was an Are for Binyamin, Binyamin who was about to be arrested and, and he was not going to be permitted to go back to Yaakov, to Yaakov Avinu. He said, I was a Are, Yehuda said, to my father to return my brother to him and therefore I would like to stand in the stead of Binyamin. It's true that Binyamin, the uh, goblet was found in his luggage, but I would like to be taking his place because I'm an Uri for him, I'm a co-signer, I'm a guarantor to my father that I would return him, so please accept this, uh, this plead on my behalf to stay here and work for you and you send Binyamin home. And he knew that this would anger Yosef for some reason, so he says, Do not be angry with me. And then he uses three very strange words. Yosef says, don't be angry with me because you are like Paroi. And Rashi brings down four pshatim what exactly Yehuda meant, ki chamecha kefaro. It either means kipshutai, that you're as chashev to me like Paro, trying to appease Yasef before he continues with his, with his line of, uh, of, of request. And then Rashi brings three other pshatim. Some of them are very difficult to understand, but the mere fact that Rashi brings four pshatim to explain something means that there's a great difficulty in understanding what, this word, what these words mean. And what I'd like to do today is try to come up with our own chiddush in what this means, perhaps. Before we do that, we have to take a little bit of a detour and we have to understand certain differences between Klal Yisrael and Umay Salem. There are many differences between a Jew and a guy, and of course, not all these differences are universal. There are crossovers. Sometimes Jews are not doing what they are expected to be doing in their regard, and Gayim are, are doing beyond what they're expected to do. But on a mere simple basis of the, one of the many differences between Klal Yisrael and Umasailam, there is a very inherent difference between how we view relationships and how we view friendships. The Rambam, for example, writes that the Lashon of Chaver, which means a friend, is from the same Sherish as the word Chibor, which means to be attached, to be very, very closely bonded with another human being. So when a Yid looks at another Yid, he doesn't look at, at a stranger, 
He doesn't look at a pawn. He doesn't look at somebody that I could get use from. And that's about it. I look at a yid as another, as an extension of myself, as somebody that I'm attached to, as somebody that I have a, a relationship, a deep abiding relationship with. Goyim are not expected to have that level of friendship. They might have it. I'm not saying that it never happens. It, it, it probably happens very often. But on a very basic level, two Goyim that are not, let's say, related, are not expected to understand this great level of Ava and Reyes and Achva that, that two Jews are expected to have. There's a a British poet and critic, his name was W.H. Auden, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And there's a quote from him that's quite well known. It's a few lines. He used to say as follows, Almost all of our relationships begin, and most of them continue, as forms of mutual exploitation, a mental or physical barter, to be terminated when one or both parties run out of goods. That's a very cynical way of looking at relationships, but this is the way that he touches up a relationship with another person as a form of mutual exploitation. What that means is that what connects two people? Why would two people get together and form a partnership, get married, be friends. Because I need something from you and you need something from me. So it works very nicely. I need your, uh, your ability to tutor me in math and you need my ability to, uh, to pay you. I need your, uh, you know, I like the way you, uh, uh, you cook and you like the way I make, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I dabble. I don't know, we have a barter between us. There are things that I need from you, there are things that you need from me, hey, that's, that's great, that works great, let's be friends. You have a car, I need a car, I don't have a car, so I want to be your friend, what do you, what do you get in exchange? You get, uh, you know, the fact that I'll do, uh, I'll do your laundry for you. I don't know, we, we barter things. Or sometimes it's just social, it makes, it's nice for me to have a person like you in my uh, circle of friends. It makes me look good. And for that, I'll give you back something in return. But there is something either physical or mental that both parties need. And the relationship sort of ends once the goods run out, as he puts it. Once, if I'm no longer of use to you, if I'm not useful to you, you're not useful to me, that's it. That's the end of the friendship. And this happens all the time. This happens not just by guns. This happens by Jews. Uh, you know, if you're ever introduced to some high school people, people in high school, this happens every day. It's very NBA. You know, so you're, we were best friends yesterday, and then today it's not no longer friend. What happened? I don't know. You know, I don't need you anymore. Uh, the, the finals were over, or uh, you know, or I, I got a cooler friend, a better. Uh, I don't need your. Uh, you know, whatever. I, something happened, and I, I don't need you anymore. So I just sort of just write you off. That's a very, very low level of friendship, a mutual exploitation. But a yid doesn't believe in that. A yid believes that I'm not friends with you because I need something from you. I'm friends with you because 
I genuinely like you. I genuinely want to help you. Lishma. I want you to be part of me. I want me to be part of you. I want us to have a real Kesher Nitzvi, a real eternal, deep, abiding friendship. A chibur between one another. There's so many different Lushaynas that a Yid has. You say it by Shemarbachas. That there's Achva, Bereus, Ava, Yedidos. There's so many different words that a Jew has for a friend because there are so many different types of friends, but they're all very, very deep. You did, I once wanted to say it is from a lotion of Yad Yad. We go hand in hand. Through thick and through thin, I'll be here for you and you'll be here for me. Chavar is Chibor. And this is how things are in life. Gayim are not expected to have that high level of a Yid. A Yid has to really look to a friend as being somebody very, very close, without any conditions, no conditions, no exploitation, just merely because you're another Yid and I love you. There's a Gemara in Shabbos, and that Laman Aleph, Laman Aleph, that once upon a time a guy came to Hillel, to the great Tana, and he said to him famously, Gaireni, I want you to be Megayami, I want you to convert me. On the condition that you will teach me the entire Tyra as I stand on one foot. Amar Lai, Hillel says to him, Mada Allah Sani, what is hated by you, what is despised by you, Lechavel do not do it to your friend. Zui Kalatayra, this is the entirety of Tayra. You wanted to know the entirety of Tayra, I'll tell you right now, Regalakas. The entirety of Tayra is what you do not want done to yourself. Do not do to your friend. That's the entirety of Tyra, the Edah, and the rest of the Tyra, the rest of the Tyra is Perusha's commentary. Zilgumar, now I gave you the crux of the Tyra, I gave you the essence of the Tyra on one line, and now you just have to learn the commentary on the Tyra, which is the rest of the Tyra. Now what is this mitzvah that he's referring to? This is a mitzvah You should love your neighbor like yourself. Love your friend like you love yourself. So the Marsha asks the obvious question. That's not what he told him. He didn't say it in the positive. Love your neighbor like yourself. Love your friend like you love yourself. He says the negative. What you don't want done to you, do not do to others. If you don't want somebody breaking into your car, you know, you know that unpleasant feeling when you come and you, you open up your car and you see somebody has been rifling through your glove compartment and throwing things all over the place? Don't ever do that to somebody else. If you don't like being insulted, well, guess what? No one does. So don't do it to other people. But that's the negative of the Ahatulayacha Kamaycha. Why don't you stress the positive? Just say what you want for yourself do to your friend. Whatever you love for yourself, that's what you should do for others. 
So the Chidushi Arim answers this question on Marshal. And he says something that's very, very fundamental. And it's sort of what I said until now. That there is an inherent difference between Klal Yisrael and Mumasayalam when it comes to relationships. And a guy, which was the fellow who came before Hillel, he was not Jewish yet. And so to teach him the Ahaftalarecha in the truest sense, in the way that Torah describes it in the positive, that whatever I want for myself, I should want for you, that's a very, very high level to attain. That's something that only a Yid that works very hard on his Midas can really begin to even understand what that means. says it's mamish. That whatever I want for myself, I have to make, I have to want it for you. Can you imagine that? I want to get a hundred on my final. So that should mean that I want you also to have a hundred on your final. I don't want you to, to fail. I don't want you to get an 80. I don't want there to be a curve so everybody should do horribly. I want, if, if it's something that I want, and we're brethren, we're brothers, we're friends, we're Yedidim, I should want that same thing for you, so I'm going to help you study. If it's a hot day and I get myself an ice cream, so then I should buy you an ice cream, because if I want it for myself, chances are you want it also. And the list could go on and on and on. Whatever I want for myself, I want to shit up for myself, how about this, when I go on a date, and I know the girl's not for me, I'll set her up with you because I think it's a good shit up. And I'm not threatened by the fact that you know, you'll get married before me. I, if I want to get married, I should want you to get married. If I have a good job, I want you to have a good job. And I'll make sure the company, when it's hiring, is going to get your resume front and center. This is a very high madriga to reach. I once spoke to somebody who was in... Uh, Columbia Law School, but this is going back uh, many, many decades ago. And he said that this is before anything computerized, everything. There was a bulletin board for the students in Columbia Law School, and there was like Mara McClemis on the bulletin board that the professor would put up, you know, that tomorrow's uh, assignment is you have to uh, study this case and that case. And the first person to come to that bulletin board would take down the Mara McClemis so that no one else would be able to prepare for their assignment. This is in Columbia. This is an Ivy League law school. A guy is a, has a very hard time understanding, and maybe it was a Jew that pulled it down. Again, I don't mean to, this is not a racist uh, schmooze. I'm just telling you in broad strokes what should be. There are many exceptions. Trust me, there are friends, that, there are Jewish friends that are much more close than, than Jewish friends, and there are and then there are Jewish people that have no instinct of, of brotherly love and uh, and and Gaya, you know, and, and how about they should be like Sarangayan. This is not, but broadly, this is the way it should be, at least in a perfect world. So the Khadisharim says that the guy who is not able to understand the Ahaftalarecha Kamaika on the on the purest form that a Yid is supposed to understand it. So therefore, Hill watered it down a little bit. He diluted it. And he said, listen, I know right now you're not going to be able to understand the positive after the Echa the Chibor, the Yedidos, the Reyes. 
So I'm going to dilute it for you. I'll give it to you sugar-coated in the negative because that's something we can all understand. I don't want something done bad to me, so therefore that's, that should motivate me not to do anything bad to somebody else. This is Negeel HaLacha, by the way, this concept. Because this is what we call Arvus. Arvus is a very, very big sugya in halacha. It comes, of course, from the famous line of Kal Yisrael, Arevim Zelaz, that we're all co-signers for one another. We're all guarantors for one another. We know what an Arev is. An Arev means that if I am looking to borrow money from, a, from let's say, Chaim, I'm a very wealthy man. I go to him, I say, Chaim, do me a favor. I need $10,000. Making a chasna for a child, I need $10,000. No problem. I'll give you the $10,000. But first, you have to get a cosigner to cosign the loan. What is the cosigner? The cosigner is an arid, and, and which means that if I should default on my loan, if I will not be able to pay Chaim by a certain date, then Chaim will be able to go to that guy that was agreeing to cosign a loan for me and he will be on the hook for that $10,000. That's an Arev. That's an Arev in Dine Mominus. But there's an Arev when it comes to Mitzvah Satayra as well, which means that even though I performed my Mitzvah already, I'm still able to go and do it again and again and again for anyone that has not yet performed his or her Mitzvah. So if I already blew the shape Rosh Hashanah, I could go and blow it again for you. If I made Kiddush already on Shabbos, I can go make Kiddush again for you. Aye, but I already did it. How am I able to be might see you if I was already ate to myself? The answer is because there's a concept of avarice. I'm an Ari for you. By Harsina, we all accepted upon ourselves responsibility. So we all sort of morph into one as far as an obligation is concerned. So I'm obligated to make sure that you perform your mitzvah as if I have not yet performed mine, because I haven't in a certain form until you have, you have accomplished your mitzvah, I haven't really completed my responsibility in the performance of mitzvah, because we're all somehow very, very closely related. We see Arvis also, or this, this concept of, of closeness when it comes to uh, a minion. I need you. I need you. I need you to fulfill in order for me to have fuel with Zibor, to have Kriya Satayra, to have so many, to all Dvarm Shabbatusha, Kaddish, Kedusha, benching with Azimon, Nevarach Elekeinu. I need a minion. We need each other. In a very, very real form, we, we require the companionship and the Reyes and the Yedidas and the Ach. That's what a Yid is. We don't look at each other transactionally. We look at each other like we're one. And that's why by the Torah, by Kabbalah, the Torah says, because that's the time that we really came together as an am. That's the only way you could perform the Torah. The Torah, the foundation of the Torah, the Hathlerecha is not just a nice, mushy, musar idea, but it's very much related to all the mitzvahs of Torah. You have to have a oneness in Klai Yisrael 
in order to be macabre on yourself, the Torah. We have to teach each other. We have to learn together. We have to daven together. We have to be communally involved with one another. That's all part of the Torah. That might be why Rabbi Akiva, by the way, said, that's a klal What about all the other klalim in the Torah? That, that's, the, that's the biggest klal in the Torah. One mitzvah, it's a nice mitzvah. I mean, is it a bigger klal than putting on tefillin or Shabbos or or Tarsa Mishpacha or Kiddush HaChaydesh? I know there's so many up. Why is the Haflirecha Kamecha the klal Dado The answer is that Rabbi Akiva, first of all, he came from Mishpacha's Geirim. And he himself was not learned the first 40 years of his life. So for him, the tremendous accomplishment that he really felt when he was macabre on himself, the Torah, when his family was macabre, is That's something that a guy doesn't really have the full understanding of. They can understand it in the negative, but they can't understand it fully in the positive. Only when you're a yid with the Torah and with Musa and with Hadracha and with a community, can you really fully understand the needs of the Ahatulayacha Kamech? And we see it in our communities. We see the Chesed. I don't know if any other community has, uh, has Hatzalah. I never saw, like, a, uh, you know, any other community have a volunteer ambulance. There's Simechan Fidney or whatever, or the regular private companies. You ever see a, a community, whatever it is, African-American, Chinese-American, uh, Asian-American, Spanish-American, any other communities that have their own volunteer ambulance service, or their own misaskim, or their own chaverim? No, AAA, call AAA. What are you doing? You, have, you need your own... Because we have a, this feeling that we need to help one another. We're bound, we're bonded to one another with love and with, and with reyes and with halacha and with the taira. And that's something that you can only understand. It's only a klal gadol about taira. When you understand the taira, when you makabal on yourself the taira properly, then you can begin to swim in the waters of klal Yisrael of the truest form of Yehatzalorech but it's something that a guy really doesn't fully understand. I was once, last year, learning a Rashi, and it was in last week's parsha, and it struck me as something, as something like a very, very big treasure that I had found. And sometimes you're just learning a rash, and all of a sudden you feel like you just struck a treasure chest. And it's a simple Rashi. I don't know if anyone was aiming on it, but when Rashi, when Parai was given the interpretation of his dream by Yasef, his dreams, and Yasef basically saved Mitzrayim, saved the world, saved Parai's throne from destruction through his brilliant interpretations of the dreams. If I was Parai, I would like you know, hug him, kiss him, give him some, like, tremendous praise and compliment about how great he is. This is a, an amazing person. He's a tzaddik. He's a, you know... And there were some nice platitudes given to him. But it was enveloped in a very funny expression. He says... Parry says about Yosef. It says, Vayitav, Parry liked his pshad in, his, in, in the interpretation of the dream. And then it says... Can you find somebody that has a ruach like him? 
can you have it? This is what this is Pyrrha's reaction when Yosef gives him the most brilliant interpretation of the dream, one that he must have realized how valuable or invaluable the interpretation was. This is going to save the entire universe, basically, this interpretation of the dream. It's going to, they're going to store up wheat now for seven good years, then during the seven bad years, Mitzrayim is going to be the hub of, of all sustenance in the world, and everybody's going to be an evit of and, and we're going to be able to survive. So he says, Is he findable? Could you find such a person? Where could you find such a person that has such a godly spirit? And then he says after that, you're chacham v'navayn kamaycha, I'm not going to find somebody as wise as you. So Rashi says, and it struck me as such like a chiddish. He says like this, im ha-nimtza If we would go and try to find somebody like him, would it be possible? Do you understand what this means? Sometimes you have an employee and a good boss will be able to see the employee as being inherently valuable, as being inherently part of the corporation. And he's so brilliant and he's such a hard worker and he's so diligent and he has so many skills that it's wonderful having him here. And for that I'm going to praise him and I'm going to give him a raise and promote him. That's the right type of business management style. There's another boss that just looks at his employee for his usefulness. I don't look at you as a human being. I don't look at you as somebody that's inherently has your ambition and your talents and your skills and that you're a world unto yourself and that we're so happy to have you as part, we're blessed, we're, it's incredibly great that you're here. I look at you for your substitutional value, for, for the replacement value. It would be such a pain in the neck for me to have to hire another, another bookkeeper like you. So, all right, uh, you know, happy holidays. I'll give you a, a, a raise, a bonus. I wouldn't be able to find somebody so easily to replace you. So, all right, that means that you're basically, you know, if I could replace you with a robot, Robots are much better than human beings. They could work 24-7 and they're, you know, they don't have attitudes and they don't need uh, health insurance plans or whatever. If I could replace you, I would. But for the time being, I can't replace you. So bravo, you did a great job. Would we be able to find him? If we would go on a, on a search, would we put out a search committee, we'll be able to find a rabbi that has this and that and the other thing. If we can't, then let's keep him. Meaning that I'm not looking at you in a positive way. I'm not looking at you, come, let me give you an embrace for what you just did. You're, you're fabulous. You're incredible. I'm looking at you as a way of mutual exploitation. Listen, I need you, you need me, I got you out of jail, I'll make you a sar, I'll make you a Mishnah Lamelech, I'll give you a lot of covet, and in response to that, you're gonna, give, you're gonna uh, give me all that I need from you, great advice, brilliance, economic policy, but it's purely transactional. It's purely mutual exploitation. If I could find somebody else, I would, but 
right now I need you, so you're here for the you're here for the, at least the short term. We'll see what happens down the road. That's a different type of attitude. That's a, a typical type of attitude. That's you're not able to understand the beauty in another person. You're just able to understand, are you useful to me? What do I what can I get from you? I wouldn't be able to replace you, so therefore you're valuable to me. But it's not that you're inherently valuable. It's not that you have a certain beauty to you, you have a brilliance to you, independent of me. It's all about me. If I could get something from you, that's great. Then we have a relationship. As long as I need you, you're here. But when I don't need you anymore, maybe after the famine is over, or maybe after uh, something happens to you, or what, what, things will change. And in fact, that did happen, right? According to either Rob or Shmuel, we're not sure. But after, uh, at the beginning of Sefer Shemais, some say it was not a Melachadosh. It was the same old parrot. It's just he forgot about Yaisif. He didn't need Yaisif anymore. So he basically threw him under the bus. Or he didn't need the whole Kali Yisrael. So he could start making Zeris against the children of Yaisif. Because it wasn't useful. They ran out of use to him. In the Lushen of W.H. Auden, when one or both parties run out of goods, that's it. That's the end of the relationship. What I'd like to suggest is that perhaps this is what Yehuda was saying to Binyamin at this very dramatic moment in history. He says, you're not going to like what I'm going to say to you. Like the Ramban explains. Because I'm going to start telling you concepts that you will not understand. I'm going to speak about I have arvas to Binyamin. Binyamin is not just a person that's useful to me. I, have, I was macabre on myself, arvus to him. There's a, there's a relationship, a deep, a deep relationship that you can't understand. You know why? Your concept of is like paray. Paray doesn't understand his understanding is you don't want to get something back in your face. You don't want a boomerang back in your face. So take care of the enemy. You know, don't do something bad to, to somebody else because otherwise it's going to come back to haunt you. It's about you. It's not about him. It's about you. The stress on the pasuk to a guy of is on the kamaycha. It's you have to love your neighbor like yourself because it's yourself. You, you don't. You want to protect yourself. You want to preserve yourself. So you don't want to have you know people doing bad stuff to you. So therefore, don't do bad stuff to other people. Your concept of the is the most watered down. It's that type of concept. And such a person that is holding by just the negative and not the real will not understand the concept that I'm about to tell you. A concept of arvos, a concept that I will be in Binyamin's stead, I will stand here, I will be taken a prisoner, and I will fight for you. And I will defend you, like Rashi says. Whatever Binyamin could do, I could do better. But please let Binyamin go because I'm an RA for him. You're not going to understand. You're going to get mad at me. 
Why will you get mad making Kamecha Kapare? Because your concept of the Atlerecha Kamecha is Paris concept. It's a very, very superficial concept. So I'm going to tell you something you're not going to understand. And what was Yasef's response to this? Yasef says, Yasef was not going to take this slight to him. My concept of is like Yasef can no longer restrain himself. He was like, ah, I got to get this out. Be careful. Don't preach to me about Don't preach to me about how you're such a great I'm Yasef. I'm the one that you threw into the pit. I'm the one that you left for dead. I'm the one that you sold down to Egypt. Do not tell me about Ki Abdukhar Basanar. You're telling the wrong person. At that point, the brothers became very silent. They had no answer. The worst thing is when somebody's giving you muster and you have to admit that I have nothing to say. Sometimes you always have a you know, an answer to get out, a wiggle out. I have nothing. He's right. Where was our Arabis? Where are Klai Yisrael? Where are Yehaklarecha Kamaycha? Where Klai Yisrael are Ravenzelaza? Where are Kiyabdukhar Vesanar? No. We failed. We weren't acting in a Jewish way. We weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. And Yasef was a thousand percent right. Ani Yasef. With those two words, Ani Yasef, everything suddenly became very quiet in the room. Because very often, Klal Yisrael was supposed to be on a certain high madrega, but we failed. And it's very hard to speak about the shift call in this regard, and of course, it's not for me, this is what the Madrashim say. And of course, whatever we're thinking about the brothers is, uh, is a mashu, a tipa shebayam, of how the tzitkas that they really were and all the cheshpainas that they had with Yasef that we'll never be able to fathom. But the Pshuta Shomikra at least is able to be darshan the way that we're darshaning it. What I want to speak about in the remaining minutes is something, and again, I do not mean to castigate a large segment of Palyasran. It would be the other, you know, it would be a chutzpah to do so. You can't criticize Pal Yisrael. But I want to just say one thing. And I've said it before. Rav Schwab used to say, Rav Shimon Schwab, You have to tread, you have to be darach, you have to walk on the highest, on their highest bummers, on the guyans highest levels, you have to, you're, you will tread. It's like Avtacha, like you're going you're gonna to route the Gaim. The Atava may say my Sidra, you're going to be able to tread on their bummers, on their greatest, uh, on their greatest uh, places and cities and accomplishments, you will tread over them. 
Rav Schwab says, you know what that means? The Atab HaMeseimai, you find the highest guy, and that's where the Jew's journey begins. You don't equate yourself with the Umm Asylum and say, well, this was good enough for them, so it's good enough for me. You find the greatest guy, and that's where your journey actually begins. I think Rav Baruch Perry used to say, that when he says the bracha in the morning of Shalei Asani Gai, so who do you think of when you say Shalei Asani Gai? You think about uh, you know a, a, a bum in the street. What kind of guy are you thinking about? A redneck, you know, who's uh, you know hunting in in in, in Wyoming. Who, who are you thinking about? Rebbe says, I'm not thinking about them. When I think about Shalaya Sani Gai, I'm thinking about the President of the United States. I'm thinking about the King of England, the Tsar of Russia. That's who I think. I take the highest guy and I say about him, Shalaya Sani Gai, that's where I begin my journey. And that's how a Yid is supposed to view his mission in life. We're not supposed to equate ourselves with Gaiim and say, well, if it's good enough for the Gaiim, it's good enough for me. We're supposed to find the frumest guy, and that's where our journey begins. I heard from Ravasher Weiss, speaking about COVID, he said that the first wave of COVID, we, we did very well. But this second wave, recently, in these months, we have failed. Because we didn't, uh, we haven't been as nizer as we should have. Not to say all of us. Obviously, in this yeshiva, we're doing very well, and uh, and many other yeshivas and, and, and many communities are very makbid. But sometimes we can admit that we're failing. And you go to certain communities, or you go to certain chasnas, or certain get-togethers, and nobody is wearing a mask. No one. I went to a chasma a couple weeks ago in a certain city, and I think they thought I was a bank robber because I was wearing a mask. Because I was the only guy in the whole city, I think, to not wearing a mask. And then you ask people, well, you know, why are you not wearing a mask? Don't you know the CDC guidelines? Don't you know that this is going to save your life and save the lives of other people around you? So... A lot of times I hear, oh, come on, black lives matter. What do you mean black lives matter? Well, they, they were able to protest. You know, they went to the streets, thousands of people looting and hollering and black lives matter, and the cops didn't stop them. So why are they ticketing us? And obviously it's not such a bad... I said, are you serious? That's your kind of... You want to equate yourself... Suddenly we're equating ourselves with black lives matter? If we're equating ourselves with Black Lives Matter, then that, that's a sad day for Kalisa. That's a failure in understanding the difference and the expectation of what a Yid is supposed to be. Goyim are not supposed to be watching the, the, the nightly news and seeing Hasidim and, and, and Litvish and, and, and from people with yarmulkes on their head walking in the streets maskless and not social distancing and making chasas with thousands of people and without a single mask. 
That's not appropriate. I was listening to a talk radio show the other day. It was a regular, wasn't a fringe talk radio show. I was just driving somewhere and it was like one of the popular, regular mainstream talk radio shows. And this woman who was a co-host on the show, she's a you know, well-known co-host in New York City. She said, well, the Jews, you know, they, these Hasidim, they, they make these weddings with thousands of people without any regard for us. Any regard for the nurses in the hospitals and the doctors and all the people putting there, they have to, they don't care about us. This is a station that goes to probably millions of people. The Chil Hashem that's created by such cavalier attitudes towards the government, towards the health system, towards, quite frankly, is astonishing. It's embarrassing, it's stunning when sometimes you're shown how, how wrong you are and how failed we are as a people. And we're our ravens, I said, don't think, well, you know, they're different than us. You know, I'm, a, I'm a more uh, to the left than they are philosophically. The Gaim don't care. Hitler could not care less. Whether you were Satmar, whether you were Ger, whether you were Babich, whether you were Modax, he, he couldn't, or, or Michal Shav, he didn't care. He didn't care. Everybody's a Jew. And the Gayim today, Lahabdo, they're not Hitler. But they don't care either. If they see it, a Jew is a Jew. And, you know, they're holding back their venom against us because it's not politically correct to single out Jews. But, in very, very thinly veiled comments that you hear from people, hush of a people, you know what they're trying to say, but they don't want to get fired. And sometimes they're vocal about it, and sometimes they're, they, they say it in a very clever way. But don't kid yourself. When you're not wearing a mask in the street, and when you're causing people literally, and I don't understand that, we've spoken about this, I don't understand what happened to the mitzvah of Pikuach Nefesh, of Achai Bahem? I don't, I don't know what happened to that. Why don't we have to be more careful about preserving our own life and the lives of those around us? I don't understand that. I, I'm, I can't have, the best terrorists that I've had is Black Lives Matter. That's the best terrorists I've ever heard. So it's, it's, it's ludicrous. Klal Yisrael has to get back to itself and understand, like, snap out of the trance and understand we can make mistakes, we can do tshuva. And if we're wearing a mask, it's not because the press is watching us, it's because it's the right thing to do inherently. There are differences between Klal Yisrael and the Umay Sa'ilam, and that's why I was speaking about it today. Because not to say that there are Gaya, that all Gayim are, are not able to be French understand friendship, and all Jews are. It's not true. But that's the way, in theory, it should have been in a perfect world. That we understand we understand in the fullest sense, and we do in many ways. Like I said before, we're amazing at with the organizations, the tzedakahs, the chesed, the, the, the yeshivas, the Beis Yaakovs, the Chadar, what goes on behind the scenes, how much extra is put into every child 
and every yid is unbelievable. From the beginning, from cradle to grave, Klai Yisrael takes care of their own like no other. But, for some reason, right now, we're failing. We're failing. And sometimes there's no answer. The brothers had no answer. They were, they were, it was put to them, there's really no answer to this. Just to say, I'm wrong. And we're wrong. We're not raving for Kali Yisrael. We have to feel bad ourselves. Not just because it's going to be bad for us if this continues. It's kind of, that's, that's, that's the other type of that's I'm afraid for myself. It's not about me. I'm afraid for them. I'm afraid. I don't understand why they're doing this. And it should be corrected. And I'm not in charge, and I'm not, I don't want to be in charge, and I'm not in any way in a position to influence any of the, and there's politics I'm sure that I don't know about, but it's very, very bad. It's a very bad thing. Remember, before COVID, I was in a, in a telephone store and there was like a big screen TV behind the, the counter and I was watching the news there and the news was basically, it was just about the anti-vaxxers, if you remember that. And they were showing mamish footage of Hasidim walking through the streets and the whole time was telling about how they're not taking their vaccinations and because of that, the measles or whatever it was was spreading and it's going on, you know, and, and people are dying, nurses in hospitals are dying. They're not able to say, they didn't even say the word chazid, they just showed the pictures. And everybody got the same message. We're wrong, we're failing in what we're doing. We're not owning up to what it is to be a yid, a chaver, a yidid, a chibor, a yididas, a yad biyad for ourselves. And for the world at large, to be in Arla Gayim, so Gayim see that this is what, this is what Klai Yisrael is all about. We're the ones that should be the frumest people when it comes to wearing masks and doing the right thing, because we have the Torah. We brought to the world the Atzalarecha Kamaycha. The golden rule, you know, what you, that's Klai Yisrael, that's Atzalarecha Kamaycha. But sometimes we fail. And when we fail, we have to own up to it. And that's what the, that's what the Achim did. And they apologized and they, they cried. They, they, they pleaded with Yasef to forgive them. And that's what we're holding these days. We have to plead with the Rabbi Nishayim on a tainus like today. We have to ask the Rabbi Nishayim to forgive us for being Mechal Shmai Ba'ilam. And then we have to do tshuva and we have to come back to our normalcy and normal ways and and the norms that Klai Yisrael are expected to have, that the Gaim should look up to us as being the way, the model. And not that we're the, you know, we're, we're the child that they have to, like, tolerate. Rachman al-Islam. Hashem, we will be zaycha soon to Mashiach Tzikeinu, but before that happens, like the Kadmainim say, Mashiach is not going to come when Gayan will wonder that when Mashiach does come, Mashiach is coming for them. These are the people that Mashiach wants to come for. They're not going to understand it. I think the Maril writes about this in one of his chuvas. 
Mashiach will only come, if we're wondering what's holding up Mashiach, Mashiach will come when everybody will immediately understand, yeah, the Jews, they deserve to be redeemed. They deserve their own country and their own uh, Beis HaMikdash and the Shekhinah should be Shreira. The Shekhinah has to want to attach himself or herself to us. We have to be Mekadishim Shamay and Barabim. That's the only way that Mashiach will come. Mitzvah Shem, if we could turn the ship around and learn how to be a be a, a beacon to the world of ethics and morality and life, the love of life, which Ba'i Yisrael is known for. It's Hashem will be zeichet to the Gula Shleim of the Meher of Yamenu. Amen, Amen.